You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So excited to be with you all tonight. So again, I'm Nicole. Um, I actually go to Azusa Pacific University, um, and I am so excited to be here with you all. Um, There's a lot that I'm excited to talk about tonight, so I'm just going to jump right into it. But basically, we have been in this sermon series called 66. So that is for the 66 books of the Bible. And so far, we have been looking at um, just evaluating how it's not all these individual books, but it's really this one big story and the story of what God has been telling us. So we started um, with creation. We talked about the history of Israel. We talked about some of the wisdom, poetic literature, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs. And then these past two weeks, we've been listening to the prophets. Um, And now we're actually going to transition from the books known as the Old Testament into the New Testament. So we're going to begin in the Gospels. And there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're actually going to be in the Gospel of Mark tonight. Um, And we're going to be focusing on the two people that it introduces at the very beginning of Mark, um, Jesus, who is the Messiah, and then someone who comes to prepare a way for him. And then in these Gospels, basically it's these four different accounts um, talking about Jesus' birth, talking about his life, his ministry, the things that he did, the things that he taught, the miracles that he performed, his um, death, his burial, and then his resurrection. But we're going to be starting out here at the beginning. Um, And our big idea tonight is that the first step in following Jesus is repentance, and every step after that um, is obedience. So tonight we're going to really be focusing on what it means to follow Jesus um, and what it looks like to live a life that's striving after him. Um, So there's something important that you need to know before we start this. So if you're in your Bibles, if you brought your Bibles, you simply flip a page from Malachi, which is in the prophets, to Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. But what's important to understand here is 400 years passed in between that time. And so the Lord was active. He was talking to the prophets. Um, The Lord was speaking through the prophets um, to the nation of Israel. And then um, in the end of Malachi, um, we see that the Lord says, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so the people of Israel are like, sweet, like this is great, like the Messiah is going to come, we've been waiting for him for such a long time, and then all of a sudden, just silence, and there's nothing. And God wasn't speaking, and nothing was happening, Um, but even though God was not speaking during that time, he was still working in the midst of the silence. And so I wonder if you've ever waited for something that you're just like so excited for, and you're just looking forward to it so much. Um, I know that I've definitely been there. Um, So I'm actually from Colorado, and two years ago, I drove my car out from Colorado all the way to California, and that is a lengthy drive, but I did it with my best 
best friend. She had never been to California before, and so she was really excited to come with me. We drove halfway one day, and then the next day, we were just going to go all the way. We were going to go straight to the beach. So we had been in the car for like 14 hours. We were just so ready to be in California, and we were about like an hour away from the beach, and I was like, oh my goodness, I really have to go to the restroom. But you know, it's fine, because like, we'll be at the beach soon, it'll be great, everything's fine. So we're driving, we're driving, it's all good. And we finally get to the beach, and little did we know that it was the Vans US Open surf competition. And so there's people like, everywhere. And I like to consider myself like a fairly patient person, but parking is one of those things that I just like, makes me so mad. And I get like, not kind when I cannot find parking. And so we're like making laps around Huntington Beach. There's absolutely nowhere to park. And people are like snagging the parking spots like before we can park. All the while I still like really have to go to the bathroom and I'm like, it's fine. So it felt like we were driving around for about an hour before we found a parking spot like so far away. Then we have to walk to the beach. And so we're walking and it's kind of like, <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, I need to be careful because like, I think I might pee my pants right now. So I'm like walking as fast as I can, trying not to pee my pants. Maybe that's too much information. I don't know. Um, but we, and we were going to go to this lunch spot. And so we get there. I'm like, praise the Lord, I made it. Um, but it doesn't have a restroom at this restaurant that we were in. And I was like, oh no. And so I'm like, you know what, it's fine. There's these restrooms. I know where they are. They're down at the beach. It's going to be all good. It's going to be fine. And so at this point, again, Vans U.S. open, so it's, like, crowded. There's so many people. And I'm, like, elbowing people to, like, get to the bathroom. I'm, like, get out of my way. I'm going to pee my pants. And I finally make it, and it's, like, the longest line of my life. And I'm, like, there's just, like, nothing I can do. I'm, like, contemplating my options. I'm, like, getting desperate here. I'm, like... This is not going to end well, but finally I made it. Sorry, I don't have like a super embarrassing story to tell about that, but maybe you know what that feels like to wait for something for such a long time and you just feel like you're literally never going to get there. So maybe for you that looks like waiting to get your grade back on an assignment that you like worked really hard on, or maybe it's waiting to hear back um, about an audition or a tryout that you had and you're feeling nervous, or... Maybe for you it's something more serious and your family is waiting to hear back from the doctor um, because someone in your family is sick and you're feeling nervous and it just feels like the news is taking forever. So a lot of us know what this feels like and what it's like to be waiting, but what would it be like to have to wait for something for 400 years? Like I cannot fathom that. Um, and yeah, so this is where we are at with the story of Israel um, right now. And so again... Um, in Malachi 4, 5, the Lord is promising them um, that the Lord is going to come soon. And so Israel is probably so, so, so excited, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they keep waiting, and they get conquered by all these different people. They get conquered by the Babylonians, and by the Greeks, and by the Romans, and they're like, God, like, did you forget about us? Like, did you fail on your promises? Um, but even though the Lord was not speaking in this time, um, he was still working, and he was still preparing the way for the Messiah. And all along in the silence, he was fulfilling promises that he had given to the people of Israel. So our first big idea is that just because God is silent does not mean that he is done working. Um, God is working in the times where we feel like we cannot hear him, when we can't hear his voice, when we're like, what is going on? You gave me this promise. Maybe you've been praying for something for 
for days, for weeks, for months, for even years, and you're like, Lord, like, are you not going to answer this? Um, I thought that you promised that to me. Um, But here we jump in and see that the Lord has been fulfilling his promises all along. So if you turn to the book of Mark, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. If you guys want to open your Bibles, also it'll be on the screens. So Mark 1 um, starts out with this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Then John, so this is John the Baptist, um, appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and honey. Kind of weird. Um, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, So when we look at these verses, we see that the Lord is fulfilling his promises. And in Isaiah, he says, There will be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, preparing for the way of the Lord. And that's in Isaiah 43. And then when we come into Mark, we see this person who is... um, preparing the way of the Lord, and he's in the wilderness. He's telling people, come and get baptized. Confess your sins. Repent. The Messiah is coming. We need to prepare for him. And so all this time, God's promise is being fulfilled through John the Baptist. And so God has promised his people um, that someone will come and that the Messiah is coming soon. And here we finally see that happening. Um, But this just goes to show that our timeline often looks so much different than God's timeline. Um, But even within that, he is always faithful to finish what he has started and what he has promised to us. Um, And he says, John is preaching and he's baptizing people and he's like, hey, someone's coming that's mightier than I and I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And he says, I have baptized you with water, but he, and he's talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So ultimately Jesus is the total fulfillment of God's promises. And John's like, wait just a little longer. Like he's coming, he's He's on his way. He will be here soon. And so I want to talk a little bit about this idea of repentance because it's kind of like a weird thing. And I think often when we think of repentance, it's like, oh, I did something bad and now I have to like confess my sins. But really, um, that's part of it. But repentance actually means to turn back or to return. And so it's actually this idea of like a wholehearted return to God. And it requires us to leave behind our old ways of living so that we can return to God's way of living. And it's this voluntary, voluntary thing that we enter into. So God requires us to abandon our old ways of living so that we can begin to walk in the fullness of life. And ultimately, repentance is this wholehearted return back to the Lord. And so um, just bear with me for a second. So in Christ, we cannot continue to walk in our same ways. So we are walking in our ways, and we're like, I can do this all on my own. And Jesus is back here. He's waiting for us. But we're like so focused on our own thing, and we're just walking towards our own thing. And I feel like a lot of times we kind of treat our lives as like, here are all these things I I want. And like, Jesus might be back here, but I'm just going to keep walking. And then like, maybe look back every once in a while and be like, oh, hey, Jesus, like, what's up? 
how you doing? Like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Like, I'll text you if I need some help. You can, like, come get me. Like, we're fine. But no, like, this passage is saying we cannot keep our eyes fixed on our old ways and our own ways of living and on the patterns that we're walking in. We need to turn all the way around and start facing Jesus. And that is the first step of faith that we need to take. We can't keep going in the same direction because he wants us to enter in um, to new life. And this repentance also requires us to surrender. And so I think of like when I get groceries and I like want to get them all into the car, or like from the car to my house in like one trip. And so you're like loaded up with like all these groceries and like trying to carry them. Um, And I feel like that's what we look like a lot of times to God when we're like pursuing our own things and we're like doing our own way of living like all these things are piling up and we're trying to carry it all on our own and we look like a fool because God's right there being like I want to help you carry this and you're trying to do it all on your own and we like with repentance God is saying like you can let all of those things down you can turn around and you can follow me so it's this posture of surrender where our hands are open where we say okay like I can't do this life on my own anymore um I need you Jesus And so that's kind of like what we see in John's message of baptism. And this baptism is dying to the old way of life when they're going down into the water and then they're being raised back up. It's dying to the old self and being raised into new life that Christ um, promises us. And so this is what John calls us to. But then Jesus is the ultimate one that will come and bring us into a full way of living. Um, He will ultimately be the one that forgives all of our sins and allows us to enter into this new life. So we're gonna jump back into Mark 1 um, in verse nine. And it says, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. And I love this image of like the heavens being torn open, because if you think of like something being opened or closed, you can like open a door and shut it, but when something is torn, it can't go back to the way that it used to be. And so in this moment, like God is coming down to earth and saying, all things are about to be made new. And this is also one of the first times, or not one of the first times, but this is also where we see the Trinity in action, which is basically just a word for describing God. One God, three persons, we see in this verse, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working together. But the thing I really want to highlight about this section is that before Jesus does anything, before he starts his ministry, before he heals anyone, God says, this is my beloved son and I am well pleased with him. So Jesus has done absolutely nothing at this point to earn God's love. Um, And I think so often we feel like we need to like strive for God's love or we need to prove ourselves that we're worthy of God's love. But before we do anything, he calls us his beloved. Um, God does not ask us to strive. He asks us again for that surrender and there's a lot of times where I'm like oh I just feel like I can't do anything right and I feel like I have to like please the Lord and like do all the right things and like have perfect grades and like be friends with everyone and like do all these things and I feel like Jesus all the time is like Nicole like before you do any of that like you are my beloved daughter and like he says that about each and every one of you and he says like Christina you are my beloved daughter and like Larry you are my beloved son and like that is God's voice like to us um, which is so 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 special and something that I think we need to be reminded of. 
Um, and as we just continue in this passage, um, now Jesus has been baptized and begun his ministry. And then it says that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So a lot happened in a short amount of verses, but basically right after Jesus is called uh, God's beloved son, then he goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by Satan. And Satan is causing him to question his identity and question what the Lord said about him. Um, and real quick, just what I want to highlight about that is that Jesus overcomes Satan in that moment, and he does not give in. And so I think oftentimes when the Lord says something about our identity, the first thing that Satan will do is try to attack that and say, oh, but that's not really true, or did God really say that about you? But because we see Jesus overcoming the enemy in that moment, we know that we too can overcome um, those lies, and we are not alone um, in this walk and in the temptations that we face because Jesus is always with us. Um, in the midst of this. And then we see Jesus return from the wilderness and he's kind of saying the same thing as John the Baptist. He's saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So he's saying the same thing. He's saying, repent, turn around, start living differently. Um, the kingdom of God is here. And again, repentance is that first step of faith. So we're walking in our own way. We're striving after our own things. And God's like, I just want you to like turn around for a second and see that I have a new way of living for you. And this is what Jesus also says. So he invites each one of us to repent and believe in the gospel. Um, and this is the first step of faith, but he also calls us to follow him and to walk in all of his ways. So um, we're going to go back into Mark 1, verses 16 through 20. Um, and this is talking about Jesus calling the first disciples. So it says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, and the hired servants, and followed him." So this is one of my like favorite passages in the Bible and just because I think it's so powerful the way that Jesus is like, hey, come and follow me and these people just drop everything that they're doing in order to follow him. Um, and so our third like main point tonight is that following Jesus is a daily decision of obedient surrender. And following Jesus is a daily decision because when he comes to these first disciples, they're not doing anything like crazy. Like they were fishermen. They're like in the boat. They're casting their nets. They're doing what they know how to do. They're doing what's normal and ordinary and comfortable. And in the midst of their daily life, Jesus meets them, and he kind of says, like, hey, will you follow me today? Like, will you, will you allow me to disrupt your daily routine, what you are doing right now, and choose to follow me instead? And I think a lot of times we think we need to be, like, these spectacular people for, like, God to use us. Um, but, like, the only thing that was spectacular about these first disciples were that they were willing to say yes to Jesus, and they were willing to follow him in obedience. Um, and they weren't, like, the coolest or, like, the most popular or, like, the funniest or, like, the most attractive people. Like, they were just, like, ordinary people doing their ordinary thing. And Jesus is like, hey, I want you. And they are obedient um, in that call. 
And something I love about this verse is when it says, immediately they dropped their nets. And they let go of the things that maybe they were putting their identity in, the things that they were putting their security in. And they get out of the boat and they trust Jesus enough to go and follow him. And so again, they're fishermen. And so fishing was probably everything to them. It was what they were good at, what they were comfortable at. It was probably their whole identity. And for you, I don't know if you're putting your identity in something other than um, the Lord, but maybe that looks like um, the friends that you have. Maybe you put your identity in that, or maybe it's the grades that you make, or the sports team that you're on, or the extracurricular things you're involved in. Maybe it's um, a boyfriend or girlfriend that you're putting your identity in. Or maybe it's even other things like kind of your status and maybe you're really popular or maybe you feel really left out. Um, Or maybe it's even like having to do with your mental health and you just feel like you can't get out of being defined by anxiety or depression or these fears that you have. Um, But in this we see that Jesus asks us to let go of those things. And he's saying this is maybe who you say you are and put your identity in, but if you choose to follow me, you can let that go and I'll give you a new way of living. And I think what's so cool about having them drop their nets is that if we tried to hold on to these like nets, so kind of like a metaphor for the things that we're good at or the things that we enjoy doing, which none of it is bad on its own, but I think when we try to hold those things so tightly, they can trip us up when we're trying to follow Jesus. And if those are the things that we're holding closest to us, um, then as we're trying to get out of the boat and follow Jesus, we're like falling over ourselves um, because we're more focused on all of these other things rather than Jesus. And so he says like, let it go, like drop it um, and come and follow me. Um, And I think what's another thing that's really cool is that they were fishermen, but then Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And if you think about it, when like a fisherman hooks a fish, like the fish dies. So kind of a weird analogy to be like, I'm going to make you fishers of men. But with this, he's kind of saying like, when people meet you and when they meet me, their life should not be able to look the same. It should look different. It can't go on the way it was before. It can't continue in the same ways that it was before. And that's the power of Christ um, that brings death to all these old things and promises a new creation. So when we really encounter Jesus, um, life cannot go on as it did before because he gives us a new identity and a new purpose. And he's just asking us um, to trust him. Jesus never asks us to do something without a a promise and if we remember from like earlier God always fulfills his promises and even when it feels like he's not he's going to be fulfilling those promises um, and he's going to give us a new calling rather than all of the things that we try to find our calling and identity in um, so the calling of these first disciples shows that we not only need to repent so we not only need to turn completely around and start facing Jesus but then every single day we have to make the decision to take a step towards Jesus and take a step towards Jesus and this is something again that happens on a daily basis it's something that's hard I'm definitely not good at it and there are so many days where I feel like I'm like oh I'm gonna turn back around but Jesus like keeps redirecting us so I don't know where you are in your walk with God um But there is something about his voice that makes him irresistible. And so maybe for you, you've been following the Lord for a long time. And he's just saying, like, hey, today, like, let this go. Like, surrender this. Surrender um, maybe this friendship. Surrender how much time you're spending on social media. Like, surrender this bad habit that you have and take a step towards me. Or maybe for you, you've been coming to church 
um, for a while and you've been hearing about Jesus, but you're like, I'm not really sure, and you've never really taken that first step of even turning around, like, I want to say that he is calling you tonight, and wherever you are, like, Jesus has something for you, um, and he promises to walk alongside you. So following Jesus definitely isn't easy, and I think I can attest to that. I think your leaders, I think so many people in this room could attest to that. Following Jesus isn't easy, um, but it's something that we never have to do alone because when we're following Jesus, we know that he is with us. He is going in front of us. Um, we are not on our own. Um, so you can have this today. And I think that's the thing about him saying immediately, like immediately they dropped their nets. Immediately they got out of the boat and they started following Jesus. And this isn't something that you have to wait to do. Like Christ's power is so good and is so sufficient for you that like you can change um, today. So um, I would love to just pray for us as we close out um, this night. Um, Jesus, I thank you that you call every single one of us. Um, and when we try to place our identity in different things or when we try to walk our own way, God, um, you remind us that you call us beloved. And we do not have to do a single thing to prove that um, to you, God. And maybe we do not feel good enough, Lord, um, to be walking alongside you. Maybe we don't feel significant enough to be following you or to be used by you, God. And I pray that... Um, Everyone in this room tonight will just know that those are lies, God, and that you call us um, and that you want to walk alongside us. You want to walk with us. So I pray for the people that have been following you for a while now, Jesus, um, show them the things in their life that they might need to surrender and lay down, those daily decisions that they need to make um, to be more obedient to you, God. And maybe if there's people in this room that have never met you, God, I pray that they will hear your call today, Lord, um, that they will choose to turn towards you, um, knowing that you promise a new way of living. You promise um, a new way of life. So I thank you for this night. I thank you for everyone in this room. Um, and we thank you that you call us each and every day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.